0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past reaches from God's word and how we can have a nova life, a new life. Come on, is anybody excited to be in the house this morning? Man, well, let me tell you something. I, uh, My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching online, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us. And hey, if you're in the chat, We're gonna be giving away some books. So make sure that you're chatting, that you're saying hi to people, that you're being friendly in the chat because we wanna resource you. And we right now are in the middle of this series called Unwrapped Living. Unwrapped Living. What we're talking about is this idea that God has given each and every single person who follows Him gifts, spiritual gifts. But sometimes, sometimes we go about our Christian life and we leave those gifts wrapped right like we don't take the time we don't necessarily do the work to find out what it is that God has gifted us with specifically and so this series is all about going God what gift have you given me? And taking off that wrapping paper and looking to see what it is that God has put in us and how He wants to use us. And one of the ways that we've been, one of the things that we've been using as a resource is this book, uh, Convergence by John Thompson. He's a pastor and, uh, and an author, obviously, he wrote a book in Ontario. So uh, here's what we want to do we want to give this away. So who is looking for a book? Yeah, you guys are nice and close here. Wanna, I'm just going to toss it. You, you, oh, you got it? Yeah, there we go. Another one we got going on. So this book, uh, we read this as a staff. It's about formation. It's about spiritual disciplines. If a couple weeks ago you were here when Pastor Mike was talking about habits, uh, this, and you're like, man, I got to learn some more about that. Like that was helpful, but I got to go a little bit deeper than you can get the deeply formed life. Who, who this morning needs some of that in their life? Greg, I see that hand. Come on up. You grab this, Greg. Come and get it. Beauty. Give it up for Greg as he comes and gets this. There you are, sir. Well, turn with me if you got a Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning and verse 11. We're going to go there together. Uh, as I already said, my name is Matt. I'm part of the team here at NOVA. And this morning, I'm going to get to preach on word gifts. So last week, Pastor Mike talked about love gifts. And this week, we're talking about word gifts. So turn to your neighbor and say, word. Turn to your other neighbor and say, full. Word full, kind of like wordle. Word full. Get where I'm going with this? Pastor Mike's not here to make inflation jokes. I got to do something. All right, I got to do something. So come on. If you're looking for a title for this message, we're going to call it Wordful this morning. Word Full, and we're going to read together in Ephesians 4 and 11. Ephesians 4 and 11 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Notice where Christ is giving them to. He's giving them to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, now this is important, make sure you don't miss this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. You know, sometimes we can be like, oh, the pastors do God's work. You know, the people up on stage, they do God's work. The people on the team, they do God's work. But actually the reason that God put me on this stage, that our team comes together, that we do what we do, is so that we as the church can be equipped to do the work that God has given us and build up the entire church, the body of Christ. Come on, would you pray with me as we dig in this morning and seek to understand uh, some of these incredible gifts that God wants us to unwrap In our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is powerful. God, thank you that it is living, that it is active, that when we come to your word, you fill us up. God, that's what we want to be. We want to be a church that is full of you, full of your word. God, you are the word of life, you are the truth. And so today I pray that my words would fall to the floor, be forgotten, be completely left out of people's minds, but Lord, that your truth and your words would take place in people's, they would take root in people's hearts and that it would flourish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ooh. You know what I love about gifts in general? Like every time I think about gifts, there's two times that I obviously think about. My, my wife is weird. She does gifts on Valentine's Day. I'm like, what's that about? Which I shouldn't probably be admitting as a husband, but I really think about, you know, birthdays, obviously, because birthdays are like, well, that's my day. And then Christmas, right? And, and, and I understand, I obviously, as a, I understand what Christmas is about, but there's something about sitting around a tree. There's something about sitting around on a couch as a family and getting your gifts and watching as people are opening the gifts that you've given them. You know what I'm talking about? And that can be a great or a terrible moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like my four-year-old son, I'm like watching him. I'm like, behave, behave, behave. You know, as he's opening socks, he's like, oh, I I didn't want this. And you're like, yes, you did. You wanted socks. You asked for it. Like, absolutely. He's he's just lying. We got to work on that. Right. But but like there's something about the anticipation of watching someone open a gift that you've given them where it can be like the the best reaction is when they're excited, you know, And, and I'm the kind of person that has rehearsed excitement. You give me socks and it's like you gave me a gold bar. I'm like socks yes, I have so many holes in my socks, I needed these, right? Like I'm, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for the gift that you've given me. But the worst reaction, I actually think this is worse than someone being unthankful for a gift is when they just don't know what it is. You, you ever had that happen? So my brother-in-law one year at Christmas is opening his gifts and he gets his present and opens it and is like, cool, right? And he's looking at it, he's like, so it's like a chemistry set thing. And he's looking at this gift and he's like, I don't really understand what it is. Now, a little bit of background. I'm a coffee nerd. I love coffee. And so when he opened this, I was like, no way, I wanted that, right? Like, and I was like, He doesn't even like coffee. How come he's getting a siphon? And I'm like, no, John Mark, you don't understand. Like, this is an incredible gift. This is like an $85 coffee maker. And like, man, you can get some incredible notes out of your coffee. And like, I'm explaining how it works and I'm explaining how to brew it. And he's like, yeah, And I'm trying to get him excited about the gift because he's like, I just don't know what it is. And, and the thing is that what, what ended up happening is it was actually for me and they had mislabeled the gift. So when they gave it to me, I was like, yes, like, yeah, I got a siphon. And if you're like, I still don't know what that is. It's, it's pretty special. It's an amazing, amazing coffee maker. But, there, you know, it's funny that when you get a gift that you don't know what it is, what are you going to do with it? You're probably not going to use it. Right? Like if you don't understand a gift that you give, you're probably not going to make a lot of use out of it. Most likely it's going to get put in a box and put on a shelf and go to that room that nothing ever comes out of until you finally get a storage locker years later. And then it goes in there and nothing comes out of it until you finally send it to the dump. Right? Like It's one of those things. And so the more that you don't understand a gift, the less likely you are to use it. And so I'm trying to get John Mark excited so that he understands it and he'll use it. And when it comes to our spiritual gifts, the first step is this. We got to unwrap it. We got to understand our gifts. We got we to know what they are. But then what happens when you get your spiritual gifts test back that we did last week and you're like, exhortation? I think I saw that movie. I don't think that was a good movie, right? You're like, exhortation? No, apostleship? What is that? Like, I don't understand what this gift is. Here's the thing. If we don't actually seek understanding, we will not put the gift to use. If we don't actually understand the value of the gift and the importance of the gift, we will not value it in our own lives. And so we actually just think it's, it's something tiny. Church, can I tell you this? God does not give trinkets for gifts, like, spiritual gifts are not the P.E.I. dirt shirt. You know what I'm talking about? It's not the photo at Peggy's Cove. It's not some tourist trap where God's like, oh, well, welcome to Christianity. Here's your gift for free, right? Like, it's not like this little tiny thing from a gift shop. God gives us gifts to equip us for ministry. In fact, when God said, when Jesus said, Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, he never intended for us to do that without gifts. He says, here's the work that you need to do. Now, here's the gift to go and do it. He gives us a practical gift. That's my favorite kind of gift. You want to get me a gift that I'm probably not going to use? Get me something that's just a trinket. You want to get me a gift that I'm going to use? Get me a nice kitchen knife. And I'm like, "Woohoo!" Every time I'm cutting tomatoes, I'm like, this is the best gift. Because it's practical and it's valuable. We actually need to be the kind of church that uses the gifts that God gives us, that understands the gifts that God gives us, that values the gifts that God gives us, that relies on God doing something through those gifts. That's what we need to do as a church. And you know, if we look around our world, it's pretty easy to, to, to tell that our world is full of words, Right? Go to a comment section, for example. I don't even need to dwell on that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a mom in our, in our community who's like, hey, someone's picking on my five-year-old son on the bus. And you would think that people are like, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. What can we do to help? But they're like, man, your kid needs to toughen up. And you're like, what is a five-year-old kid? They're like, you're gonna make things so much worse. And you're like, okay. Can I tell you that our world is full of words? There is so much talking happening in our world. And what they actually need is people who are not just full of words, but full of the word, full of Jesus, full of the word of life, full of the truth of the gospel. We need to be word full, church. We need to be full of what it is that God is speaking to us and the world around us because they are desperate for it. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about love gifts. And we know that the world around us is looking for love. And then we get to words, and we're like, are they really looking for words? But let me tell you, we live in an era of truth decay. And as people of the truth, who know the truth of God, know the truth of the gospel, our world needs it more than ever. Proverbs says that the, the, that the gift of life or death is in the tongue. Words can tear down, or words can build up. And when we have spiritual gifts that are word gifts, they are meant to build up, to edify, to build the church, to do what God is doing on our earth and in our church and in our city. Jesus, when he first starts his ministry, it says something very interesting. It says, he taught as one with authority, not like their teachers of the law. So you see, it's not just about the words that you speak, Jesus was reading the same scripture. But there was something that happened where the, the leaders of the religious law in Jesus' time had lost authority. They had lost the spirit of what was actually happening. Jesus taught as one with authority. Can I tell you, church? In many areas, in many arenas in our world, our, the church in general has lost authority and voice. But can I tell you, that's not the way it's meant to be. But what it takes is not just our own opinions and our own systems and our own structures. What it takes is us being a church that is wordful, that is moving by the power of the spirit of God in the spiritual gifts that he has given us. So we need these spiritual gifts. Our world around us needs these spiritual gifts. We need to be a wordful church. So what are the word gifts? Well, they're just that. They're gifts that God gives to his church to use language to point people to God and what he is doing. The word gifts that we would list would be teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, pastoring, slash shepherding, and evangelism. And maybe on your spiritual gifts test that you did last week, you would have seen that. And by the way, if you need to do the spiritual gifts test still, all you need to do is text the word GIFTS to 902-903-2682. That'll send you a link and you can fill that out after the service to find out and unwrap what those gifts are. But so maybe on your spiritual gifts test, you saw some of those. And today we're going to cover a little bit of teaching on teaching, exhortation, pastoring, and evangelism. If you had apostleship or leadership, I would love to talk with you after the service, but for the sake of time, we're gonna leave those ones as most people won't have those gifts. And if you do, I would genuinely love to break that down with you and talking to it. But let's dive into these. First of all, teaching. John Thompson in his book, Convergence, the one that we just gave out, puts it this way. The gift of teaching is Bible-centered and clarifies God's truth. They help groups of disciples understand the themes and principles in scripture. So when we come into this place, what we are hoping is that the gift of teaching is being exercised up here on stage. We want you to feel like you are hearing something and learning something from scripture that is clarifying the truth of God for you today in your life. Romans 12, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Now this is interesting because we tend to think of teachers as like just a few people, right? But Paul, when he writes to the, the church in Rome, is not just addressing the leader. He's addressing the whole church. And look what he says. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. The implication here is that there are people in the church that may not be up on stage, that may not have the microphone, that have the gift of teaching. Look at this in Ephesians 4. Same writer Paul says this again. This is our opening verse. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And again, the the goal of teaching is to equip God's people. The the gift after apostleship and prophecy, the third thing that's mentioned, but it's needed for establishing and sustaining the church. See, apostles plant churches. Prophets speak to the identity of churches, but teachers clarify God's word for that church so that people can apply it in their life. Thompson, again, writes that teaching, like other community gifts, equips us to know God, obey him, and be encouraged as we pursue discipleship. Teaching helps us sustain personally and corporately. When we get into God's word, when we understand God's word, it does more inside of us to sustain us and keep us faithful than we know It is valuable, but just to be clear, this is beyond someone just being eloquent or having good microphone skills or be a memorable speaker. This gift is characterized by the Holy Spirit. It's characterized by the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual gift. It's not just a personality trait. And so therefore it has a spiritual impact. Usually people who have this gift are outworking a supernatural ability to bring scriptures to life for people. Like, have you ever been in a sermon where you're like, man, I saw something in that that I have never seen before? Like, there was some truth that popped out of me that I've never seen before. And not only does it make you go, oh man, I understand the Bible a little bit more, but it also causes you to change your life to follow it. The gift of teaching is meant to not only inform people, but cause transformation in people as they get into scripture. And I've sat in rooms, I'm gonna be honest with you, where it was entertaining, where the, where the speaker did an incredible job. I loved listening to them. It was fun. They were funny and, and it, it, I, it did nothing. I walked away and I was like, that was great, but man, do I really know more about God's word? Has it done anything on the inside? And truthfully, it hadn't. And yet I have been in coffee shops, where someone has said something to me about scripture, where I go, I've never thought of that before. No service, no lights, no nothing. Just sitting across the table from a teacher who is using their spiritual gift and it changes me on the inside. This is, if you are a teacher, what you are called to do, to point people to God's word. It's needed beyond the platform. It's needed beyond Sundays. It's needed beyond preaching. It's needed in coffee shops. It's needed in houses and in living rooms. It's needed in small groups. It's needed for us to be a wordful church. Do you think you have the gift of teaching? Do you find that people understand scripture better after talking to you and then apply it in their lives? Do you seek to learn from mentors or people who are further ahead in the journey than you? When you, you know, hear something unbiblical in preaching, are you like, nuh-uh, and it's just like alarm bells going off? You may have the gift of teaching. Do you have this gift? In a similar vein, but with some differences, there's the gift of exhortation. Now, another word for this could be encouragement. So what is it? John Thompson, again, defines it like this. Unlike the gift of teaching, which is to clarify truth, see the difference, clarify truth, make people understand what is happening in scripture, this gift's focus is to apply biblical truth and help others live out their faith practically. So these are the people that are like, oh yeah, no, you understand what that scripture is, but now I'm actually gonna help you walk that out. I'm gonna help you do what Jesus was telling you to do when he said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. I'm gonna help you walk that out. Yeah, I'm gonna help you walk out when when Jesus says, just turn the other cheek. Don't return evil for evil. I'm gonna help you walk that out. These are people who can encourage you to actually put into practice what you learn in teaching. Paul talks about this in Romans 12, eight. He says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Notice something about that. For the gift of generosity, it's or of giving, it's give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility. If you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. But when it comes to encouragement, He says, just do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do it. Just do it. If you have the gift of encouragement, you know what you need to do? Encourage, encourage people, speak to people, love on people. This is spiritual cheerleading with a specific purpose, basically to help people actually apply God's word in their lives. So what does that look like? It looks like calling attention to scripture, urging people to keep going in their faith, coming alongside the discouraged and the downtrodden and the defeated with God's word to get them moving again. Do you know anyone like that? The best people to be around. You know what I'm talking about? The encouraging people, I can think of a number of people in our community that have this gift and outwork it well. And there are some days where I come in and I'm like, man, I'm just not feeling it. And there's that person who puts their arm around you and goes, man, God is good, eh? And they just say like that one verse to you and you're like, yeah, you're right. They have the gift of exhortation or encouragement. Basically, people who function in this gift, they correct, they encourage, and they comfort. They are more than just cheerleaders. They're more like a coach. See, because a cheerleader is like, you can do it. And then they don't actually have any skin in the game. A coach is like, no, no, guys, hey, you're, you're running this place sloppy. We need to change that. We need to correct what's happening here. They come alongside and they're like, whoa, okay. I see where you're falling into error. We need to fix this, right? Or, or then they also have this idea where they're saying, yeah, you've done an amazing job. And they cheer you on. So there is a cheerleading element, but it's more like a coach would cheer you on because they're in the win with you. And then there's also coming alongside after a loss, after something's hard, and they go, hey, we'll get them next time. It's okay. We're gonna move forward. This is what the gift of exhortation is. You know, it's interesting. There's a character named Barnabas in the book of Acts. And he's known as the guy who took Paul and sort of taught him how to do ministry. He took Paul under his wing and he also had this young man named John Mark that he took under his wing as well. And there comes a point where John Mark had bailed on Paul and Barnabas. He sort of left them hanging. And he wants to go on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas again. And Paul's like, no way. And in fact, it gets so heated that Barnabas and Paul go their separate ways because he's so committed to encouraging and exhorting this young man John Mark. Can I tell you something? Between Paul and John Mark, those two guys wrote 14 books of the 27 book New Testament. His exhortation, what he poured into people, helped write over half of the New Testament. Exhortation is a powerful thing. Do you have this gift Are you the kind of person that that's that's you? You just love encouraging people. It just flows out of you. We should all be encouraging. But there are some people who you know, they're just like, it just keeps coming out of them. And you're like, man, you're so encouraging to be around. We need to be a wordful church. There's also the gift of pastoring. And pastoring is not like the office. See, in our modern context, we understand pastoring is like, Me, this guy up on stage with the microphone and he like helps lead the church and has responsibilities in the office and he does admin and he's a leader and all that sort of stuff. Here's the reality of the gift of pastoring. It's probably better understood as shepherding. Thompson defines it this way. The key idea of shepherding is people and their spiritual care, which can take the form of teaching, pastoral care and presence. Exercising a pastoral gift is a long-term journey with people so they can just be loved through life. Do you know those people? Like exhortation can be you're going through the hallway and that person just stops you and goes, hey, you're the head, not the tail. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Pastoring is the person who comes alongside and goes, I'm in this with you. We're doing life together. We are in this together. It's not just the preacher. It's not just someone who works for the church and makes sure everything runs well. It's actually a spiritual gift of saying, I am going to do life with this person. And leadership and exhortation can go hand in hand with it, but they're different. A pastor is someone who's committed to doing life in the trenches with you and actively being part of the process. Does that sound like you? Because if so, your gift is needed. Let me, let me just tell you something. Part of the rate, it needs to be part of the regular DNA of our church. As our church grows and gets larger, can I just tell you, It is harder and harder to pastor from three pastors. It's harder and harder for four people to take care of the pastoral care of an entire church. What we actually need is believers, the church to step up and say, no, I have that gift. So I'm gonna walk it out with people. I might lead a small group or I might just make sure I'm catching up with people for coffees. But that is where the gold is, church. That is what being a wordful church looks like where we say, I have my gift and I'm gonna put it in practice. This gift brings vitality and health to churches and helps churches stay community and people heavy, even when it starts to grow. Do you love people? Do you want to see them come alive in Jesus? And I know we should all want that, but like, does that just burn in you? Well, maybe you have the gift of a pastor. And the last word gift that I'm going to talk about, and the team can come on out there. They're hanging out in the wings. I can hear them. So you guys can come on out and make this sound really spiritual here. Evangelism. Evangelism. Turn to your neighbor and say evangelism. Can I tell you something? This, this is a bit of a dirty word in church, It's a bit of a dirty word in culture. We live in an era where people are like, hey, you don't push your, your views on me. That's actually like not okay. It's kind of like oppressive. It's sort of manipulative. Like, look, I'm, I'm not for it. There's, there's a negative connotation against evangelism. My friend was visiting from Ontario this past week and he was just talking to someone and he said, my friend's a pastor because he asked what, what I did. And he said, oh, I, I don't like religion. Religion brings people together and everyone should just run their own race. And my friend was like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but he kept talking to him. This is what's crazy is that me by myself, I'd be like, oh, you don't want to hear from me. And I'd be like, okay, well, clearly this was not a heavenly intervention right now. But he's like, oh, so tell me more about that. And I'm like, Lewis, let's go. (laughs) Like this guy doesn't want to talk. I had a friend in college who who had the gift of evangelism like more than anyone I've ever seen. He would sit on the bus with people coming back from work and he would just invite people to church. Uh, But here's the crazy thing they'd actually come. You know what I mean? Like I invite people to church sometimes. I don't know if I have the gift of evangelism. I want it, but I don't know if I have it because I want to tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, Hey, you should come to church. And they're like, and I never hear from them again. This guy would be sitting beside a complete stranger and he'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And they're like, good. You know, they got their AirPods in, they got their headphones in, whatever. And he'd be like, yeah, well, how's your day going? And he just strike up a conversation. And eventually they would ask, well, what are you up to? He's like, oh, I'm all the way to church. Yeah, man, a couple years ago, I gave my life to Christ and I got saved. And he just had this way about him to connect with people in a way where they went, well, I want that. You see, the gift of evangelism is just as much of a spiritual gift. It's not just sales pitch. It's not a tactic. It's not twisting people's arm. What it is is something in their spirit, an anointing from God, where they can communicate to non-believers in a way that points them to Jesus. And as much as we are all meant to share our faith, there are some people that are just gifted for it. And we need those people. We at Nova believe that the reason that we're here is to see people far from God, brought close to God. And what that means is that we actually need the evangelists to be evangelizing, to be coming alive in their gift. Sure, I can share, but can I be honest with you? For the 30 people that I invite to church, maybe one's gonna show up in my life experience. But evangelists, they're, they're like, well, my numbers are more like 70%. Because there's something spiritual happening. They're partnering with God in what he's already doing. There's a grace on their life for them to do it. We need to see this gift come alive. My question for you is, does this line up with you on the inside? Evangelism is the special ability to communicate the gospel in relevant ways to unbelievers. It's the special grace on your life. Do you find it easy to strike up conversations with strangers? Do you find it easy to talk about faith and Christian things in an unforced way or to incorporate spiritual truths into everyday conversation with believers? Do you have concern for people not knowing Jesus and feel an urgency to see them come to know him? Maybe you have this gift and the world needs it. And while we should all be ready to share our faith, if this is your gift, God gave it to you for a reason. I'm very comfortable in saying this, don't feel guilty if it's not. Because God gave you a different gift for a reason. It's not like God was up in heaven and he was like, gifts. Oh, you weren't supposed to have that one. Ooh, that's going to be awkward. No, no. He knits you together in your mother's womb. He knows every head of hair on, on your head, every strain of hair on your head. He knows your name. And he knows what he put inside of you for a purpose. Church, this is the reality. I love this coffee maker. It's so... It's so funny because it's such an intricate little coffee maker. It has all these different parts. And one of the things that I like about it is because it's, it's sort of weird, right? i was supposed to have that lab mic, so bear with me. But it has all these different parts, right? And the reality is this, this is probably not the easiest way to make a cup of coffee but it probably is the coolest way to make a cup of coffee. You see, because I love it, because it has this stand, right? And this stand is sturdy. This stand has structure. This stand is where everything starts, but the stand by itself, well, it doesn't really do anything. You have to take this little ball and attach it in here. And then, you got this little burner that goes under here, and you got this thing, and it's got this little string here, and it It's just all around a very beautiful and a pleasing looking thing. But here's the thing. When I have it here, I gotta get my coffee out, right? I take my coffee and I pour it in and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to make coffee. But here's the thing. I have all these different parts and components that have come together to make one thing, one cohesive thing. But I'm still missing a key ingredient. And no matter how hard this little coffee maker tries to make coffee, no matter what I do to it, it is not gonna be able to make coffee because it's missing the most key ingredient of all. Can anyone tell me what it's missing? Water. Here's the reality of spiritual gifts. They're different. And we all have different spiritual gifts. But when we come together as a community, When we put our spiritual gifts together as one, we have the potential to make something together. But they're not personality traits. Spiritual gifts are not personality traits. It's not just because of who you are. Spiritual gifts are a result of the living water of God being poured into your life. The Holy Spirit coming alive in you. He's the giver of the gift. He gives it to you for a reason. Without him, the gift does not function. At the end of the day, what we need to do to be a wordful church, a church that comes together, we need to be the kind of church that brings all of our different components and puts them together to work in harmony. The apostle Paul uses the analogy of a body. He talks about this idea that the body has many different parts and we tend to think of them, some as better than others. But what Paul says is sometimes the smallest part is the most important. There's this little filter inside here that I actually couldn't find this morning. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without that tiny little piece. But here's the reality, when we actually invite the presence of God and the spirit of God, the living water to come into our lives. And we say, God, use my gifts, use my abilities. And we come in together as a community and say, we're gonna bring it all together and we're gonna use it all together. What we're actually doing is creating something that we can then go and serve people with. We can serve each other in the community. Do you need to be encouraged? Do you need to be led? Do you need to be pastored? Do you need someone to remind you about Jesus in the tough seasons? When I was talking about mountains being in the way, there were some people responding. We need encouragement. And it can't just come from the stage. It needs to be a community working together, making things happen, actually producing something that we can then take And with hospitality, say, hey, you need to meet Jesus. You need to have an encounter. Our spiritual gifts are never meant to stop at the door, but they're certainly meant to start inside. And what we then end up with as a result is this incredible community of wordful believers. And I'm talking about word gifts today, but this applies to every spiritual gift that when we take our spiritual gifts, when we put them together, when we work together as a community, what we actually end up with is something that we can say, welcome, welcome to church, welcome home. See, I I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can take my corner, I can lift it, I can do my job, I can evangelize, I can teach, so welcome. As you go out this morning, as we have coffee in the lobby, I want you to think about the fact that your spiritual gift is part of what we are doing here. And the coffee is all about making people feel welcome, but there has to be something spiritually alive in the church for people to come alive in the spirit. So I want to invite you this morning. If you haven't taken that spiritual gifts test, take that spiritual gifts test, rip that wrapping paper off. And then do some research, go deeper. Next week, we're going to talk about power gifts. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. But I want to invite you as you're holding that cup of coffee to think, what do I bring? What part of this community am I? You know, the reality is that you may be in this room and you're like, man, this is all new to me. This this is completely new to me. I'm, I'm here for the first time. Someone invited me. I had that weird bus moment that you were talking about. You know, my coworker just kept talking about church. And so I'm here, you know? And maybe you're like, the thing is that I recognize that I want purpose and I want meaning and I want to feel like God does have a purpose and meaning for my life and I want that gift. Can I tell you, the first step to this is a life with Jesus. Spiritual gifts are for believers. So this whole sermon is essentially talking to believers. But if you're in this place and you're like, I'm I'm not a believer, I can tell you something, you can be. Here's the reality. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've tried in the past to find meaning and purpose, and even though it might not have worked, maybe it worked for a while. And you're like, man, I I don't know if I'm good enough to come to Jesus. Here's the great news, none of us are. By the grace of God, He gave us the first gift, which is salvation. And his invitation to all of us is come and drink from the well. Come and drink from the living water and you will never thirst again. Maybe you feel like you've been wandering around in the desert of our culture and our society. And you keep seeing something that you're like, oh, that looks like water. And then you get over and you're like, ah, mirage. I thought this would bring me happiness. I thought this would bring me meaning, but it didn't. And you're like, oh, there's there's water. And you go over here and it's... Ah, it's another mirage. Can I tell you something? This is the well that you've been looking for. This is the oasis in the desert. And his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the living water. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He made you. He knows how you're put together. He knows what you need in your life. He has purpose and meaning for you. And he has salvation for you. Everything that you've done can be forgiven no matter what it is, no matter how big, no matter how small. And all we need to do is call in the name of Jesus. He can also give us a new life where we say, Jesus, show me how to live. I'm tired of living for the mirages. I I want you. And he has a way to live. The process of discipleship, of being with him, becoming like him, doing what he did. Opening us up to spiritual gifts and purpose and meaning. But it starts with saying, Jesus, I want you. So if I could just get every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. If you're in this place and that's you, you're like, yeah, I, I, I wanna start that life. I, I wanna make that decision. I've tried the mirages, they don't work. <laughs> I, I wanna drink from the well. I want the living water. I, w- I wanna come alive for meaning and purpose. If that's you in this place, could you just lift your hand up high enough and long enough for me to see it? No one looking around. I see that hand. Yeah, I see that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Yeah. See that hand. See that hand. Anyone else? Yeah. See that hand. Anyone else? Yeah. See that hand. Come on. Come on. I'm going to ask you to pray something after me. And this isn't like an incantation. I'm just trying to help you with the, the first steps of how to pray. First of all, we're talking to Jesus. So just say, dear Jesus, And if I could get everyone to pray this with me, worship team, you too. Dear Jesus, thank you that you invite me to life. Thank you that you forgive me for my past. Thank you that you have meaning and that you have purpose. And right now I ask you to forgive me for my past and to give me a new life and a new hope a new future in Jesus name amen amen come on church can we give it up for all these people that raise their hand this morning here's the thing if you raise your hand that is the best decision that you could possibly make everyone in this room who calls himself a christian has made that decision at one point or another sometimes 20 years ago sometimes last week we're all on this journey together And God wants to do your race with you. And so here's what I would love. If you raised your hand and you're like, man, I still have questions. I wanna know more. I'm just gonna sit right up here on the steps. I'd love to chat with you about that decision and help you start this new life well. We also have Bibles out in the lobby. You can grab a Bible, just say, hey, I made that decision. I wanna grab a Bible. And we would love to help you answer any questions you have about reading the Bible and everything like that, but can we give it up for these people again? That's the best decision. Well, church, you should probably go pick up your kids. So we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks so much for making this spiritual worship team. You guys are awesome. Um, We love you guys. We will not see you next Sunday. Turn your neighbor and say Friday. Friday. I'm going to pray for you as you go. God, bless this church. Bless your people as they discover the gifts and unwrapped living that you have for them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Have a great couple of days. We'll see you on Friday.